Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase them all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. We are very honored for this episode. We have our first NATA Hall of Famer. And yes, we did plan that perfect for National Athletic Training Month. What better way to celebrate than talking to someone who probably has actually seen it all? (laughs) Really? And we're going to talk about some of those things that he's seen in this episode. But before we get started, we're going to give a very brief intro of Andy Pollan. And I say brief because his credentials alone could fit an entire episode. Yes, the name Andy Pollan strikes fear into many students. (laughs) If there's any... Former students of Andy, you know what I'm talking about. Anywho, Andy received his bachelor's in physical education from Cal State Fullerton, my alma mater, in 1978. He's worked at Don Lugo High School, Cal State Bakersfield, and finished off his 40-year career at Mount San Antonio College. I hope that I can practice for that long. That's amazing. Me too. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. That's That's amazing. He also has spent a ton of his career in volunteer work, giving back to the profession. He served on the NATA Board of Directors as a District 8 Director representing California after he was California Athletic Trainers Association President, and he was also FWADA's own Annual Convention and Symposium Chairperson. Safe to say this guy was pretty busy. Super busy. So as we mentioned, Andy's career has been very vast and he's had a lot of experience. And like we said, he probably has seen it all. But one of those things, and I feel like this doesn't get talked about a lot, especially in athletic training, is, and unfortunately this sometimes is the reality of the job of some of our colleagues out there, is dealing with death. Especially unexpected death. Yes, absolutely. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's becoming a lot more common, maybe not on the athletic field, but at the places where some of some athletic trainers work, like school shootings and stuff like that, that's becoming a little more common than anyone would like. So learning how to deal with death is a, definitely an important skill and an important tool for athletic trainers to know and what resources there are available to them. It's such a hard topic to want to talk about, and Andy does it with such poise. And so we thought it would be perfect to bring him in to talk about what is not talked about enough. Yes, absolutely. So I think we should hear from Andy now. Here we go. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, contacting me about this topic. As I've learned over the years, uh, the topic of how do athletic trainers respond to a death in their environment? Not really talked about. Uh, The good news is, at least now, especially in your generation of athletic trainer, there are resources. And as you saw by some of my notes, there were not a lot of resources. Uh, You just kind of had to go with what you had to go with. And so fast forward now, I think there are tools out there, there's resources out there that's gonna help the individual. But likewise, uh, as we all know with any policy and procedure, not everybody will utilize resources. And so with that said, that's where I kind of borrowed from my previous experience going back to the 70s. Here, my college roommate takes his own life. And as you fast forward, you kind of look back and go, wow, is there anything I could have done? In that particular instance, which I think the audience should be aware of, 
that night before to this day, I still remember, he was so upbeat. Uh, the head athletic trainer had just assigned him to be the, the head student for the baseball team. Now, you guys all know about that baseball team. I mean, everybody wants to be a part of that. And literally that day before, he says, uh, oh, God, they want me to do this. And you know how great they are. They're going to go to the World Series. And they even pulled me aside and they said, hey, we're going to take you with us. Not that head athletic trainer. We're going to take you with us. So he was so upbeat, so upbeat. And so, okay, and he, you know, this is my roommate, so I'm happy for him. We go about our business. We go to bed, and I find him the next morning. And he had taken his own life. And with that said, you know, you have to kind of shift gears. Like, okay, now what do I do? I'm just a private citizen. What do I do now? So I go, well, I guess I have to call law enforcement. They come, and they very quickly assess, yeah, that was a suicide. They quickly call the coroner. The coroner does their job. Body's removed, and... You know, you're just kind of standing there. One of my other best friends was also an athletic trainer, and uh, he came and met me. So here, the, all these people leave, and literally, I'm not making this up. I think I wrote it down. While they're literally taking their last few steps out of the apartment, they turn around to me and go, you know, you two might want to clean this up because I'm sure the parents are going to want to pick up some of the personal belongings. So why don't you guys do that? You know, we do one of those moves like, we're doing this? Okay, I guess we're doing this. You know, my room, the other guy and I cleaned up the room and got everything squared away and found the personal thing. But yeah, that is not in any textbook or policy manual or, or nothing. I mean, I, and I went back and, you know, I told the other athletic trainers and they're kind of taken aback a little bit. And that's how we dealt with that in like the late 70s. So it was certainly a learning moment, and I know it, it, it addressed a lot of the questions that, that you guys posed me earlier, like, well, how do you get on? How do you get on with your life? I mean, I was a student. That means I was supposed to go to school, and I was supposed to go do my clinical hours, just like everybody else, and it was just kind of hanging over us like a cloud. Um, the family did have a, a funeral service, so we certainly attended, and we did, and literally that was it. Like, okay, it was like a family member passing away. They, you grieve, you mourn, and then you get on with your life. And at no time were there any services provided either by the department or the college, the university, nobody. You know, we, we just went about our business. You went to school and you went back to your clinical rotation and we moved on. So I don't know, I guess maybe that's okay. I guess if you're that kind of personality that can move on from that kind of tragedy. So be it. It was interesting as I was looking back to our head athletic trainer, uh, Jerry Lloyd, that was in, in those days. You guys have seen his picture around there. Um, he was a former service member and uh, he was a medical corpsman. Uh, so obviously he came out of the Navy, but during the Vietnam War, he was attached to the Marine Corps. And so he was a ground pounder and he saw action and in many times, he would talk about, yeah, you know, I've seen death. It's just part of war. And a lot of times, we've talked about this even years and decades later that, you know, yeah, it was a tragedy, but we get up and we move on. So maybe that's what we, the students, borrowed from that. Okay, you grieve, you mourn, and you move on. All right, so off we go. So fast forward several years, uh, I enter the workforce. In fact, I, I had already gone, let's go all the way back, to, all the way to the 80s. I had already taken my job in Mount Sac. It was the early 80s. I, I was looking at the dates, and I think it was only uh, about my third year there. And uh, 
it was real late in the spring. All of our spring sports were done. I get a phone call from Cal State Los Angeles, and they said, hey, uh, we know you guys are done, and we know Mount Sac is real big in track and field. Uh, would you mind you know, to asking your students and staff if they could volunteer? Cal State LA is hosting the Division II Track Championships. We could use a little help. Sure, no problem. We're not doing anything. Great for the students. Let's go, everybody. So we go down there, and the day we showed up, it must have been like the first day where it was a lot of field events. And if you can kind of use your imagination, picture the hammer throw area, and then the medical station was on another side of the fence. So we were about as close as you could get to the hammer throw and still be safe. And then obviously the opposite end of us was the actual track, and there wasn't anything going on the track. So it was great. We were having our little camaraderie there with the other athletic trainers. You could see the the hammer throw going on, no big deal. We'd hear, a, I think there was a high jump or something going on. It was very low key. All of a sudden, there's just panic at the hammer ring. And it just caught all of us completely off guard. And as we look up, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. You could see somebody running towards us. And he's just screaming in those panic voices. You know, we need somebody here now. Like that, just as emphatic as you can be. <laughs> and it... Classic athletic trainers, there must have been like five certifieds there. Four just took off running. Boy, I've never seen people run so fast. I was about to do the same thing. I was number five. And one <laughs> of my own students kind of like grabbed me by the shirt. And he says, Andy, don't you think we ought to take a bag or some supplies or something? Because we don't know what's going on. This is the student. <laughs> That's well, crazy. That's a good idea. Let's go yeah. ahead and do that. So we did grab some gear and we get there and oh my gosh, um, it was a newspaper reporter. He had got hit in the head by the hammer throw. It was all, it was just a massive disaster because they had not roped it off properly. They were allowing people to stand what you would probably call the foul lines. And there he was and he took it. And worse, I say worse now, I don't know how everybody, all the athletic trainers maneuvered. I ended up at the head. Oh, thank you very much. So he was supine, and so and I have obviously never seen anything like that. And I looked at that very same student. And I go, I think I need a lot of gauze here. And so I'm doing the best I can with compression and pressure. And he's still alive, by the way. He is still alive. And so I get where I'm at. I can still see the rise and fall of the chest. And of course, they've activated 911. You know where Cal State LA is. It's almost right next door to LA County Hospital. So sure enough, here they come, paramedics and everybody, and they load and go, and that was it. And we were fortunate that at that day, we also had one of the meat doctors, the MDs there. And he was there, but in that disaster, there was very little we could do, especially with the materials we had. We did the best we could. So it's all over with, and uh, everybody's kind of picking things up and straightening things up. And the doctor looks over at me and he sees my hands are just a mess. And this is, by the way, in the days without gloves. We didn't wear gloves in those days. I don't think it would have mattered anyway. So he goes, come on, let's go wash up. That's how he phrased it. I'll always remember that. So we walked. It was like any other camp. It was a long ways from this hammering to wherever the bathrooms were. It must have been the gym. And we washed up. But the whole point there was I think he was kind of debriefing me. You know, you know how you doing? Huh? That was unique. You know, I certainly have never been a part of that. Yeah, he goes and he goes, and I'll tell you, there's not a whole lot we could have done there with the materials we had and the resources we had. You know, obviously that's trauma, and that's why there's a trauma center right next door. But we did the best we could. 
okay, fine. Yeah, I get it. So that, that was my debriefing. That was my counseling. That was that <laughs> whole thing that you see in the notes. I walked back, went back to work. And I think we went back the next day to work the regular part of the track meet. And by the time I got home that night, that's when we had, it had already made the regular news. This is obviously long before social media and computers. Uh, it already made the news and the news had already reported that he had passed away. And, and, mm-hmm. and again, it's one of those circumstances we go, well, I'm not surprised considering how much damage was done. So I understand that. And then they released the name. He was a newspaper reporter from the newspaper in Bakersfield. And I had just left Bakersfield before Mount Sac. And I knew who this guy was. I did not recognize him, obviously, on the ground. But, yeah, that was the same newspaper reporter I talked to all the time for three years in Bakersfield. So, see, it's crazy how the world comes together, but it does. So that was was early 80s. That was a a very small debriefing right there. Um, But make do. You can get on with your life, I guess. That's what I felt, and that's what I was told. And so we do. So fast forward even farther now, now we're all the way up to like 2010 and uh, what that you probably have seen it. Uh, we had a football game that day and we had the one Mount Sac uh, wrestling tournament that day that we hosted. So that got started first because I think the football game was a night game. So as you remember, we have a lot of those per diem or hourly athletic trainers. We hired two for the wrestling tournament. They were all the way down in the gym. And uh, they had that job. And just like you did with me, uh, we got set up for uh, football. So I think we were in the athletic training room, the clinic, doing all that pregame care for football. And again, this is, I think, 2010. Yeah, we probably had cell phones by then. (laughs) Um, The phone starts going off. Or as everybody says, the phone's just blowing up. Like, holy mackerel, what the heck? And sure enough, as you guys remember, you have to go outside to load the truck for football. Yep. We're hearing a lot of sirens. Okay, that can't be good. We've been down this road before. So finally, I get on the phone, and I think the first call was the athletic director, and then the second call was one of the ATCs, visiting wrestler. Now, this changes the whole continuity of sometimes of how you respond and how you react. Um, says uh, wrestler died excuse me and of course you immediately ours and they know no it was a visiting wrestler uh like what and they said he was wrestling and he just stops drops to the ground and he never recovers and i took later on i talked to both athletic trainers who in turn talked to the paramedics the fire department campus police and they said everything that was done for that kid was textbook Everybody did their job and did everything that was appropriate for that kid. You know, sometimes people don't make it. And that means even with an AED and everything else. So in that environment, um, they stopped the wrestling match. They said, you know what? This is just too devastating. I mean, my gosh, it was right there on the mat in front of everybody. They go, you know, this is nothing but an invitational wrestling tournament. We're done. We're out of here. So in a way, that kind of took care of that part of the environment. but now we look back or even for a while there we're going wait a minute what about our two athletic trainers the mount sack athletic trainers so i think they were doing a lot of debriefing they were doing a lot of reports because they had to talk to everybody campus police and the fire and everybody else but it was a visiting athlete so then they in turn came to talk to me 
And as, as you probably remember with a lot of our hourlies, they're usually pretty young. It's a lot of times it's like their first job right out of school. And one was sort of okay, and one was just an emotional mess. Now, keep in mind, remember what I said earlier, I'm supposed to be getting football ready for a football game. I go, okay, well, let me, let me see what I can do here. Fortunately, the athletic director also came over and helped me with that, too. So we all did the best we could to counsel them, you know, say things like, uh, you know, can I, uh, what can I do to help you? Like, is there somebody at home that you're going to go home to? Or, you know, I don't think you should necessarily be alone alone tonight. You know, whoever it is you hang out with or you talk to or you live with, spend some time with them, you know. Find out who you feel comfortable talking to about this incident. Uh, yeah, I got to go to a football game, but I got a cell phone. I want you to call me anytime. Uh, actually, when I got to the game, the athletic director did a lot of calling. She was calling me about it. And this was still a new deal. And again, granted, it was a visiting athlete. Like, well, isn't there anything else we're supposed to do? They go, well, it's, it's their athlete, so that campus will have to handle that. So typical... Um, which we would do anyway if we were hosting an athletic event and the visiting athlete got any kind of an injury, you're still going to make a phone call. We, we, we instituted that policy many, many years ago where, I mean, if you have a sprained ankle, hey, you know, John, I just want to let you know, uh, you know, your kid sprained an ankle today. It looks like an ATF. It was grade one. We did all this. But I just want to give you a heads up because I know sometimes the kids don't show up on Monday morning, you know, and you're going, hey, where'd this come from? So I just want to give you a heads up. So I did. I made that phone call. I I'm sure he knew. He didn't call me right back. But I'm sure by that evening, probably the coach notified him. And then I called him again on Monday. I said, you know, how's that moving along? He goes, oh, we're, we're meeting with the parents and we're doing all these things. They have a very brief grievance grieving process over there at that school but they are working through it so that was kind of that experience of having somebody succumb to their injuries right there granted again it wasn't our athlete uh but just seeing the mechanism work of okay what does my staff do what do i do uh what if i've got to go to a game i think i had one athletic training student at the wrestling and she, they said she was great. She actually worked the AED. I mean, just stuff like that makes you feel better as far as, well, maybe we really did do everything we could. Because I think that's a, a really big point that jumps out when you have the individual incidents of, did we do everything we were supposed to do? Did we do everything possible? As a healthcare professional, you know, sometimes people succumb to illness, people succumb to injury, and everything you've done just may not work. So we felt very good about everything we had done. And again, we talked to everybody, fire, police, uh, campus security, everybody. But interesting enough, as with the other episodes I've already mentioned, there was no debriefing. There was no meeting with anybody on campus. We didn't really meet with anybody, even in the department. I think, I think we all, yeah, we wrote up in, um, accident reports. You know, you do that. If there's a fender bender in the parking lot, you write an accident report. So I remember we all did those, and that was about it. I, 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 I'm sure maybe somebody mentioned it, but I doubt. But nobody said, hey, Andy, you know, you want to go up to the health center and talk to anybody? I don't, that part I don't remember. So I'm pretty sure that did not happen. Uh, and it was a learning moment. You know, you shared that with your students. You shared that with the staff. Uh, interesting note, obviously, as you had seen, not much in the way of death had occurred in our football program yet. 
So that was just kind of like this far incident, maybe something you read about, oh, that happens to other people, no big deal. So now we fast forward again, and let's see, that was two, now it's 2015. We are knee deep in the football season. I mean, we're just getting after it. And um, I think I was watching the news that night, the 10 o'clock or the 11 o'clock news, and they said, oh yeah, right over here off the 60 freeway, you know, a man and woman were killed by another driver on the off-ramp, you know, off the 60 freeway. And you're like, oh, that's just terrible. And then they start releasing names and then they start releasing pictures. And one of them was our football player, our active football player. And we're just, holy mackerel. And so phones are just blowing up, especially amongst the staff. I, I don't know how much young people watch the news in 2015, but yeah, phones are blowing up. And so by the time we come in the next day, yeah, it's confirmed. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that accident. It was crazy. They are driving whatever one of the off-ramp streets are over there off the 60 and Hacienda Heights. So they're on the street driving past the off-ramp. And this guy comes really fast off the off-ramp. He goes airborne and drives his car into their car and kills them instantly. Wow. I mean – you got to work hard to make that happen again. You talk about the wrong place at the wrong time, and it happened. So that Saturday, we had a football game. It's like whatever, one day or two days after the incident. And so, you know, it, I don't know if you've ever been around those environments. It's very, very quiet. You know, there's no boisterous behavior in the locker rooms. People are coming in and out of the clinic. It's very quiet. People are almost like talking in whispers. You're like, oh, my goodness sakes. I mean, it happened so fast right up to game day, there really wasn't a lot you could formally do either for the family or, or a lot of people do a lot of recognition things. Um, I think they were able to do like the moment of silence at the actual game, and that was about it. But then come Monday, the wheels started turning faster. Um, hey, we want to recognize the family. We want to do all these things for the family. Uh, we got another game, in fact, home game Saturday. We want to do this and this and this and this. And what I liked about that was that it tended to be a little bit, now that it happened to one of our own, it tended to be more of a family grieving process. But it also gave everybody direction. Hey, players, you know, we'd like you guys to do this and this and this and this in honor of your teammate. Um, uh, department, we need you to help us with this. Uh, we need you guys to do this. And so... Um, it was very, very challenging um, to show up at an athletic event of any kind. And again, even that following week, it was very, very subdued. Uh, it was a very educational environment for the students. As you guys remember, I had like, I would usually carry anywhere from eight, to 10 students for a football season. They worked the games, but they got to see how that worked. Um, they had to learn very quickly that you have a responsibility in here as an athletic trainer, as an athletic training student, just like the players have a responsibility, just like the coaches have a responsibility. Yes, we're going to grieve and mourn. We're going to recognize the individual and their family, but we all still have responsibilities. You know, the, the football program doesn't stop. The school doesn't stop. We have to move on. And those, for right or wrong, those are lessons of life. Um, I, I know some of the questions that really addressed it specifically is like, Normally, when you have a family member pass away, and a lot of times it might be like a geriatric person or somebody that has a very severe illness, and you know, yeah, their time is coming someday, so we're going we're gonna to prepare for it. 
But this stuff that catches you by surprise, no, you're not. But yet you you also have to recognize that you are you're in a position of responsibility. So first I have to quote unquote do my job, as the saying goes. But likewise, this incident touches so many people in that very same job that you've got to work with that. So for example, um, we talked about game day. I mean, you know, football, you know, everybody's supposed to be wild and crazy and pumped up and get all excited and all that. And so we're looking, and I had, of course, my staff meeting before the game. And I said, look, I said, um, we're going to go about our business. What I mean by that is, yes, the athletic training clinic is still open at this time. And then we have to load the truck and then we leave at this time. And when we get to the field, we still have all that work. And of course we have the game. Those things are still going to be set. But here's what I want you to do. Um, we call it emotional flexibility. Um, what if that kid that you've been working really hard on their orthopedic therapy doesn't come in or doesn't come in to like five minutes for the bus? Yeah, normally we probably yell at him. Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But you know what? There's probably a good reason today why or why he didn't do it. And we're going to let it go. I mean, if it's not something incredibly important like concussion, screening you know if he's just got a sprained ankle or something we'll work with that okay i understand that but let's go the other way the guys that are coming in for therapy a lot of you got them on the table maybe you're doing an ultrasound treatment or you're using stem maybe you're doing something manual where you're going to be on the table with them for a few minutes that's a great opportunity right there just go start it off with how you doing this is quite a day this is quite a week isn't it and just see how they respond and see if they open up and, and that, that is why you are here. That's why you, the athletic trainer, are here. You're here to help. Uh, we're not just treating the physical this week or this month. We've got to treat it all. Um, likewise, without maybe necessarily phrasing it exactly, you're also helping the athletic trainer that you're giving them purpose. That, you know what, you're right. This tragedy occurred to this one individual. You know what, though? We got 99 other individuals and a coaching staff and a support staff, and we, they're all part of this, and they're all grieving. Um, you can make that positive. You can be that person that just supports them. And likewise, they'll support you. I mean, it didn't just happen to you two. It happened to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so this will be all part of that process. The campus did learn about it. There wasn't a very formal uh, support system at that time. That was 2015. But I think finally the campus recognized that there literally is no support formally. And it, it's not necessarily just for athletics. I mean, we all know bad things happen on school campuses all the time. In fact, they probably happen more often than they do in athletics just because of population. Mount Sac had 40,000 students. I, I remember all kinds of bad things like you know, an employee jumping off a building and, you know, I think we had a bomb threat one time, all this crazy stuff. And so when a tragedy occurs, well, campus, and I think finally one of us, either either the athletic director or even the head coach, like, what process is in place when these tragedies occur? And I don't think that, and we looked to the health center and we looked to the counseling office. Yeah, it was very loosely constructed. I mean, I guess they could send individuals from the counseling office or individuals from the health center and say, hey, we're here for you. But it never struck us as a very formal environment of, hey, we understand you've incurred a loss and we're here to help you. Let us show you what we can do to help you. 
If you'd like to take advantage of our, our resources, please come on over and do that. So when that individual passed, it was very loosely constructed. And then unfortunately and fortunately, a year later, almost less than a year, we lost the other guy, uh, the Mount Sac football player. He was lost in a drive-by shooting. And uh, that was just devastating because he was an active player, um, good kid, uh, but the old wrong place at the wrong time. And holy mackerel. I mean, even now you're really starting to see separation and how human beings respond. Like with the auto accident, I mean, you just you can't predict that. I mean, oh, my gosh, look what happened. How that was extreme, you know, odds that that was going to happen. That really was an accident. But this guy here, he died in a drive-by shooting in the old wrong place, wrong time. And it literally was like, I want to say it was probably like a Sunday night because I know we had a game that following Saturday. And it was just, it was devastating because this is an active kid. We knew him. Um, the athletic trainers knew him. He was coming in for different care. And so you just shake your head because it just catches you completely off guard. And again, the human in you, you know, wants to mourn and grieve, and yet you still got a responsibility. You still got to go to school as a student. You still got to go to your clinical site. You know, we have to go to work. So in this athletic environment, which I kind of take a little bit of comfort in, is I think even without asking, you're going to get help, meaning a lot of times the coaches will turn the wheel. It doesn't matter if it's a big football team or a little tennis team. Uh, usually the coaches will be kind of the tip of the spear as far as seeking out what needs to be done. By the time this last incident happened, the health center had well, awakened. They had uh, they realized, yeah, this is happening a lot, not just athletics, but all across campus. Uh, they probably took some cues from maybe other campuses where there's been incidents. So it was very formal and, and, and I liked it. They, what, what would happen is the incident occurred as we're trying to sort ourselves out personally. Usually it was the coach Sometimes it might be an athletic director, maybe even a sports information director, and they would come into our offices and go, hey, listen, uh, we contacted the Student Health Center. They had their support system in place. We want all of your staff to know that on Tuesday at two o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to meet in this gigantic lecture hall, and they're going to be there. Uh, they're going to address the resources that are present uh, that they could help us with. Likewise, they're going to be there for support. If any of you want to talk about anything at all in that environment, that's why they're there. And if you want to wait, do it one-on-one, -on -one, or if you want to do it later, they can do that too. So there was a structure there, and I really liked it. I, I think quickly what I learned, especially with all these incidents, is everybody has a different uh, grieving process. And I learned even from my older relatives, older friends. And then definitely when I got into athletics, the older people, a lot of them ran around saying, Hey, you're in athletics. You got to be tough. Okay. Sometimes they'd say things like, Hey, you're a male. You're supposed to be tough. Okay. But fast forward now, after all these incidents, everybody's got their own grieving process. And, and I even learned and watched that as athletes, the same athletes that were part of those teams were walking in and out of the clinic. You'd have kids completely depressed that they didn't want to talk to you. They didn't want to do much of anything. 
you had kids, well, this was a startling one. They'd come in, they were still joking around like it was the regular days. They're joking with their buddies, they're cracking jokes, they're having a good time. And, and you know, you give them that ugly eye, like, well, okay, I guess that's how you're going to deal with it. Players disappeared. Like, where's so-and-so? I don't know. He hasn't been to school for a couple of days. You know, I don't think he's doing well with this. So everybody's going to have their own grieving process. But likewise, you as the athletic trainer, especially as the head athletic trainer, you've got to eyeball the whole situation. You're going to have to eyeball the team that you're working with. You've also got to eyeball your staff because like what I keep harping on is, you know, we still have responsibilities to take care of. Uh, this certainly is part of it. Um, you, you will have to have your own grieving process. And what I mean by that specifically is, it can be as simplistic as at the end of the day, you sit down with the athletic trainers in the room. You know, you clean the facility, you're ready to go home. Hey, let's just take a quick minute here. Uh, anybody have any thoughts? Anybody has any questions? Uh, that could be you, the head athletic trainer's opportunity to say, hey, just want to let you know, student health center is here. Uh, they've got these resources for you. If you'd like to utilize them here at Mount Sac, you're welcome to do that. However, I know a lot of you are from your universities. If you want to check out their resources, maybe that's just more convenient for you. That's fine with me. Uh, if you want to just talk to me, if you want to go talk to the head football coach or the academic advisor, I don't care. I said, if there's somebody that you're connected with, by all means, if you need me to facilitate that, I'll be glad to do that. So everybody's going to grieve differently. The tricky part, and I know you guys had mentioned it a little bit in one of the questions, is we're going to meet the individual. Sometimes it's usually a student. But it can be anybody, it can be staff, it can be player, and they don't want to do anything. They don't want to play their sport or they don't want to come to the clinical rotation site. Maybe they're not going to class, you know, get a phone call from your, your supervisors, the faculty. And yeah, you still have to pull that person aside too. And I said, I understand you're probably taking this hard. I remember, yeah, I remember you were doing his rehab. And I can, I respect that and I understand that. And then that's when you have to put your, your, your big kid hat on and say, but you have chosen the profession of athletic training. You know, we have tremendous responsibility to our patients, to our athletes. And no, I'm not saying you can't be human. You certainly can grieve and mourn. But likewise, again, remember, you have a responsibility. If you've chosen this field, this is a healthcare field. We are part of the healthcare system. Uh, this is going to be a part of it. Now, the good news is this is not going to happen as often as other environments. I mean, if you're an ER nurse, I can only imagine how often that happens. My daughter's one of those. Law enforcement, fire department, military. I think that's a whole different game compared to what we're doing here. Yes, I understand. It catches us by surprise because it doesn't happen very often. But we need to find resources to support you so that you in turn can get on with your life. And, and, and I don't think I put a date on that. I want you ready by tomorrow, but you have to learn that this is going to move on. And, and we can even sidestep this a moment and say, this isn't just death. But you think about those incredibly severe injuries in athletics. Now, those are something we definitely do get. And I have seen both students and staff break down over those. And, and it is tough because it's usually somebody, obviously, if they got hurt playing, they're probably a decent athlete, which means they probably had a future in the sport. And now all that is just completely eliminated, at least for now. Uh, heck, 
look at the look at the headlines right now with Tiger Woods. You know, how are you going to explain all that? that's a devastating injury? And and there's going to be a whole lot to that to come. So same here, you have to pull these people aside and sit down with them and, and, and maybe just show your human aspect too. Like, hey, it bothers me too. Yeah, I like that kid. I enjoyed working with that kid. And now he's literally gone. Um, but I have my resources too to support. I'm very fortunate that I have a family at home and I can go home and talk to them. I have terrific coworkers right here that we can we can go have dinner and we can talk about this. I said, whatever the system is that you find helpful, utilize it, you know, but also utilize it to help you get back into the mainstream that you've got to get on. I assume you still want to be an athletic trainer over here. I assume you still want to be an athlete. Okay. Well, in order to reach those goals, you've got to do these things. And yes, this is a very big emotional setback, but you got to get past it. Cause I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's not going to be your last time. Maybe and maybe not. It won't happen in your athletic career. But hey, we all have families, and at some point, we all have families who relatives pass away, and we're going to have to deal with that too. Okay, so um, you've got to find those resources, especially in your employment environment, that's going to support what has happened, support you, and support those around you. And then, likewise, um, how do you pass that along to the next level? So. Yeah, they have resources maybe for the paid employees in that employment site. But if I've chosen to bring in interns or students or whatever we want to call them, those have to be available to them. And if not, okay, what's plan B? What can I do for these kids? But we're not going to just say, oh, well, you don't really work here, so I'm just going to focus over here. No, it doesn't work that way. I think it was really interesting just to see the development um, from when you were a student to just recently and just how much has changed. And even in that small window from, you know, you know, 2010, 2015, how much has changed in that small window. So it is. How much would you say those moments have shaped your career and how you, how you take day to day? Oh, um, it has, they, um, you, you realize, especially if you've had more than one incident, you realize, yeah, it's kind of laying out there. I think part of that answer is you look at your whole environment. I know you two are part of this. Why did I get so crazy with all those emergency workshops? And, and what did you constantly hear me yelling and screaming about? This guy's going to die if you don't do this. Get that airway open. Get that AED out here. Um if you can do everything you can in your power, especially in a life-threatening environment, no matter what the final outcome is, I think you can drive home at peace and go, like I said earlier, I did everything I could. And, and you're going to do that. Just I think just instinctively as a human being and as a college student and as a professional, at some point, probably literally as you're driving home, you're going to do that. You know, did I do everything possible? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, I I can't control the final outcome. I certainly can't control anything once the person is at the hospital. But man, I will do everything. And it's not just doing everything. It's as as you saw, it's there's a plan, there's a structure there. Okay. You have to have an EAP. You have to have certain types of equipment. Okay, if something bad happens on that field or in the clinic or wherever, this these these are the steps, and I think that reassures even young people, whether you're a college student or even a young professional. Like, 
okay, if the you-know-what hits the fan, we have a plan. You know, we, we do this and this and this and this, and I got this and you got that, and you're doing what you're trained to do, but equally important, you're doing everything you can to prevent the worst outcome. You know, there's that word again. We always hear that in education outcomes. Well, we're trying to avoid the worst outcome. Yes. And that's one way. I think when you demonstrate to your coworkers, your students, that you you personally have a plan. We're going to do everything we can to take care of. And you also, if you remember, you even show that to your athletes. I thought that was one of the best things we could do was when we were practicing, the athletes were out there. You can see them turn around every now and then. We have the spine board or the John Deere golf cart or whatever. I felt good about that. I thought, you know what? They're seeing us practice. And I had a couple of those athletes would walk by every now and then. And say, wow, what are you doing? Hey, we're just preparing for the worst. You know, probably not going to happen. But you know what? We got your back. And I think that just kind of went in their head like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more relaxed when I'm out here playing this crazy sport. Look at the innovations just in your time. Like some people think, oh, it's just football and hockey that have all these horrible things going on. No, pretty much every sport. I mean, people drop dead in anywhere, anytime. We were, I mean, I, if you remember, I had baseball. You know, come on, what can happen in baseball? Come on. Yeah, people drop in the grandstands. Your, your umpire who weighs 400 pounds drop on a you know, 90 degree day. You better be able to take care of that. And with that said, now you're being proactive. You're showing that to your staff, your athletes, your athletic trainers, that we're going to be proactive. We're not going to sit back and wait for something horrible to happen and say, oh, gee, I didn't know what to do, but I learned from that. Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You should have prepared for that. And so I think this is one of the great times to be an athletic trainer and definitely an athletic training student that you learn from your mentors, you learn from your peers. I think that's a great thing about clinical rotation sites, which I never had, I was at one place the whole time, is that you go see how this person works, what they do, what they don't do, how they make what they have work. You know, I mean, how many times did you meet students and they went to a clinical site and they said, guy, this person doesn't have an AED, this person doesn't have a spine board, but what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? Well, hopefully that preceptor, that AT said, oh, well, this is the plan. We're going to do this and this and this. I think it's going to have to be part of this environment too, this tragic environment that I don't hear this discussion very much, but I think at some point when you take your job, obviously it's it's schools, but I'm thinking too, people who take jobs like in clinics and doctor's offices, there's got to be some kind of EAP there too. But let's just pick on the schools for just a moment that maybe not so much in the interview, but I think when you get the job, maybe that first week is you're trying to get organized. I, I know usually that first week, it's things like, well, let's see. I got to get some rosters. I got to know who's playing for us. Oh, man, I got to figure out this insurance thing. Like, okay, how how do we take care of the medical bills? Okay, that's that's critical, too. Um, oh, how am I going to document my injuries? Is it paper and pencil because they don't have a computer? Or am I using this old 1985 computer? You know, how am I gonna... You're ironing all that out. And so at some point, you should be looking at your policies. Well, look right now, COVID. I mean, I feel bad for so many ATs right now. They're trying to figure out the COVID policies and procedures because as of today, they said they're going to try to get them started at the high schools. So you got to sort that out too. And I, and I respect that. But COVID is kind of new and we're going to figure that out. But hey, 
death has been around a long time and death in sports has been around a long time. So with that said, as you're sitting down, and that's what I like about current athletic training education is things are becoming more formalized in policy and procedure. And I really like that. I mean, those are incredible documents. You know, what your EAP is a document. Um, what are you going to do with your insurance? Let me see the policies and procedures for insurance. Well, now we're talking about this. On this campus, what is policy and procedure if an individual dies in the athletic environment? Notice I said individual. I didn't say my player. It could be anybody there, anybody. I'm also curious about how when you see the news and there's a death on a, especially a school campus, especially like a high school campus, usually it's been those shootings. Did you notice the commentators always say grief counselors were rushed in to talk to the staff and students? I hear that all the time. Well, it's very commendable. Where'd that policy come from? Who initiated that? Um, I don't know if you guys knew my coworker Bill at Mount Sac. Before he came to Mount Sac, he was down the street at the local high school, and he was just going about his business. You know, in fact, it was morning. He wasn't even into athletics. I think he had gone to an office to do some paperwork, and uh, one of the high school kids shot himself right in the middle of the campus. And you know, being an athletic trainer, he sprung into action. Basically, did the same thing I did with the reporter. You know, just try to put pressure on it and try to control it. And later on, uh, that student died. What I liked about our profession is that it just rallied. I mean, that word obviously got out fast. I think that was social media in those days. But, you know, I called him and what he had told me on the phone after I called him was he goes, yeah, he goes, I got a bunch of phone calls from like all the athletic trainers at all the schools around here just saying, hey. We're here for you. You know, if you need a phone call, you need someone to go hang out with for a little while, we're here for you. And that's one of my favorite parts about both our profession and our association is that happens all the time. Um, I think that's part of your healing is that now you take that and now you share that, just like what we're doing here. But when you hear about your colleague somewhere else having something, a tragedy like those, you pick up the phone and you call them. Uh, what goes with that, and really, especially the AT care system, it is about what I just said, that you have athletic trainers, you know, on a phone line, and they'll say, hey, I'm just calling to check in. How you doing? I know that was a little wild and crazy that you just went through. Uh, we're here to help. And, and they're probably going to ask almost the same things that I just got done saying, like, hey, where you work, what kind of support system do they have there? You know, are, are you doing okay? Is it being availed, availed to you? Yes or no, uh, kind of take the lead. Oh, you don't really have a structure. Huh? Well, uh, you know, here's some names and numbers in your geographical area. Give them a call. Or you know what? Here's my favorite one that I, I was a part of a lot. Hey, can I give you a phone number? You know, Jane Jones is an athletic trainer at a college about 10 miles from where you're at. And um, she had this incident happen. And so she's survived that. and. If you don't mind, I'll tell her to expect a call from you. And once you two talk, just kind of exchange notes and see how it comes of it. And so you're placing these tools out there for your colleagues and, and they can work with that. And of course you say, hey, and, and I'm here for you. You know, if you want to give me a call anytime, by all means. I think that is so reassuring. Um, 
I mean, we even did that in the NATA just when somebody's relative passed away. You know, you know, the geriatrics and they finally passed away. Man, we're all over those phones and cards and everything else. Saying, hey, you know, we heard about the you, our, your concern and we're here for you. You know, let us know if there's anything we can do. Just things like that. So I think that's what makes our profession great is that there's a, it's a people profession. It's a supportive profession. Um, you're, you should not feel alone. There should always be somebody out there, especially in times of great need like this. Uh, if that incident happens to you, it's a tremendous learning environment, as I found out. Uh, you you take all those things, like I used to say, and put them in your toolbox, and you take those with you wherever you go, because you're probably going to need them. Uh, as you guys get much older, <laughs> like you guys get into your 40s and 50s, um, you in turn are going to be sharing that with the younger, the young professionals and the students that, yeah, I, I understand how you're feeling, because I was down that road once, and Here's what I found to help me. There's a lot of resources out there. Let me share those with you, but also let me share what worked for me. And, and they might gel with you. Say, hey, yeah, you know what? Your work environment is just like mine. Uh, I'm going to try that. I think I'm going to feel better if I do that. So, yeah, we're, it's always continuing education. We never stop learning. Um, we take life's lessons and we learn from those too. I mean, it's a people profession but yet we're still expected to keep on working. You know, you brought up a really good point about the debriefing process and how grief counselors, they say grief counselors are rushed in. Yes. But for someone who hasn't been part of that or someone who has to become the debriefer, what does that debrief session actually look like? What questions are asked? What should you expect from that? Great comment. Yeah, I mean... They certainly didn't rush them into me. Uh, there was no <laughs> rushing going on. I think we had to make some phone calls and get organized and all that. And, and I understand that because it's not something that happens all the time. Um, I'll tell you this, and, and I know Randy knows this one. One of the I tell people one of the best things I ever did, and I don't know where it came from, is we used to debrief at the end of every football game. Uh, we got the athletes out post game. You know, okay, patch them up, send them home. All right, let's get this place cleaned up, got cleaned up. And that was literally the last thing we did. And, and obviously, most of the time, it was just, okay, these are the injuries. This is what we did tonight. Okay, yeah, that guy, you know, they got to see the doc on Monday. Yeah, that guy, he's over here. Um, that was a typical debriefing, and, and it, it, it helped everybody. It, it helped me because once in a while, somebody would put out the infamous notepad and go, Andy, do you know, you know, John dislocated his finger? <laughs> no, I didn't. I guess you guys took really good care of it. Great. Uh, but yeah, the other people may not have known that either. Oh, I didn't know he dislocated. Anyway, so uh, with typical debriefing. And so what I wrote on my notes here is, is let's go with that if you have an incident where you have a lot of staff. You know, maybe it's a football game. Maybe it's the Mount Sac relays and somebody gets hit by a javelin or something. Um, all right, let's get our regular athletic training work. So you do that same weekly debriefing. Anyway, all right, let's talk about what happened today as far as injuries and what do we got to do on Monday morning. So what that does is it instills a sense of normalcy to your staff. Okay, no matter what crazy incident just happened outside, we still got to get our work done. Meaning, you know, we got to talk about what happened, the regular injuries today, what we're going to do on Monday. Okay, are we all clear? Everybody's on the same page with all of our injuries and what we got to do on Monday. All right. 
let's talk about the incident. Um, and, and that's when, A, the leader, the head athletic trainer, whoever it is, shares the resources. You know, a lot of you saw something. Who knows? You may never see this again in your career. Some of you might see it again. I don't know. We don't. Nobody knows. But here's what happened. I know some of you may not have been around. Maybe you were working on another side of the field or something. You didn't really see what was going on. That's very common. Okay, this is what happened. This is what was done. Uh, this is the final outcome. So uh, I know that, especially now that you're addressing death, I know death is reacted to in different manners by every human being. And I bet in this room of whatever, 10 athletic trainers, I bet all 10 of us react differently. Let me start it this way. On our campus now are these resources. The Counseling Service, the Student Health Center, they have these resources. If you would like to use them, please let me know. If you want to pull me aside in the office and speak privately, that's fine with me. But these, publicly, I'm going to say these are the services. This is what we can do to help. Uh, besides just us being here to listen to you, these are very formal services. I strongly recommend you take advantage of them. But I'm not going to ram them down your throat because I know a lot of you go to these universities. Maybe your place has good resources, too. I mean, a university and a community college, a lot of times there's going to be some similarities as far as services. Whatever you need, and if it's there, please use it. Some of you may not like the formal school resources. Maybe there's somebody in your inner circle that you really like, whether it be your intimate partner, whether it be your best friend, your teammate, you know, whoever. If you feel comfortable going home tonight and talking about this, do it. Do it. So that would be like the debrief. You made a great point. It's like, okay, we're not going to sit around and wait for the grief counselors to show up. That just ain't going to happen. Not today, anyway. It's 11 o'clock at night. Ain't nobody coming over here tonight. <laughs> so um, you've shown your staff this sense of normalcy that we went about our business because that's our job. But now we have this incredibly rare incident. Well, we have to address that, too. And so this is what, as your leader, as your head athletic trainer, whoever, this is what I can do for you. If you want to pull me inside and say, well, I can't do that, or I don't know if that's going to help, share that with me. And, and I will work with you on how to get past that. Uh, in, in those incidents I described earlier, I think we might have had like one or two students that didn't come back for a couple of days. Like basically everybody's supposed to be there by like Monday or Tuesday. And a couple of them probably didn't roll into like Wednesday, Thursday. Um, one of them I remember I had to have a conversation with like, I understand that you're upset. You know, we're all upset. And, and basically, I said the exact same thing I just said to you. Like, but we have responsibilities. And if you're an athletic training student, someday you're going to get certified and get a job. And now you've really got some responsibilities. And if you get a job in a school, <laughs> you got responsibilities like 500 people. So I'm not saying you can't grieve. But I am saying that I want to help you and I have resources to help you. And I think at your school, you have resources to help you. I need you to take advantage of those. Okay. And I, and I need you to help yourself and in turn, come back as an athletic trainer because this is part of it. Again, same speech doesn't happen very often, but it does. And so you've got to be ready for it. And, and if there's something that I'm missing, if there's something you feel like is incomplete, Hey, we'll both help you. So really that whole debriefing on the incident is almost like from within. Um, 
And that can include more of that inner circle. Like I remember I talked a lot to the coaches. If you guys remember our coaching staffs, yeah, a lot of times you had the older head coach, but you had a ton of young coaches and they're not much older than those athletes. And so they may not have done well. A lot of them are real close. If you remember a lot of sports like track and football, they had position coaches or event coaches. And so they got really close to their athlete. And if that incident happened to that athlete, they could be devastated too. And then being a, like, if you remember them, they're walk on or they're part-time. They don't really think they have those resources there. Hey, that's our job too. Or at least ours as in the group, the coaches, the athletic department, the athletic trainers. Um, I don't think one person can do it. Uh, we all need to be in on it. We certainly need to train ourselves, you know, as, as time goes on, that, that's another learning moment that if you have an incident, seek out educational opportunities, whether you're talking to professionals. Um, I mentioned earlier, you might want to talk to an ER nurse. I think that was even one of the questions. I said, you know, you have probably one or two people die every day in the emergency room. Who knows? You may have more than that. Definitely in a 24-hour period, I bet you do. Not to mention whoever passes away upstairs in the other units. How do you guys do that? And, you know, they're human beings, too. Yes, I'm sure you have to develop a certain amount of callousness, but they're human beings, too. I mean, look at right now. You constantly read that in the media about the yeah. medical staff taking care of the COVID patients. Oh, my gosh. That's like the worst of the worst. And yet they're expected to carry on. Those are great examples right there. That might be for your generation of athletic trainer, maybe when some of this calms down, is maybe when you get your jobs where you have a lot of staff or a lot of athletes or a lot of coaches, maybe when you do your homework on where you're getting employed, you found out there was an incident maybe a year ago, five years ago, and an athlete died. Grab somebody like that, somebody that worked with COVID. I go, hey, can you talk about just that topic right there? Like, how do you go to work every day knowing what's sitting there in front of you? Um, so, so yeah, Sandra, it, 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 it's a lot more from within. Yes, I'm glad the resources are out there, the health center or the counseling office or whatever it is. I'm glad that they're there. Um, I actually am a little more prejudice on things like that AT care where you're talking to another one of your colleagues in your profession who probably has experienced that already. I think that would be a great mentor for that situation that they understand yeah. what happened to you. They can express what happened to them. Maybe they don't have all the answers, but they can do exactly what I'm doing right now and share. This is what I did. This is what made me feel better. This is the part that still bothers me right now. Um, share that with an individual and see what they can utilize to get on with their life, to get on with their career. Yeah. Awesome. That complements what I've, I've stated earlier, that in that grieving and counseling process, I think you'll get better outcomes with the group around you, the people you know, even if it's just informal. Yes, I still want you to take the formal counseling if you feel that's going to be helpful. But likewise, just hanging out with your buddy, you know, when you go on break, um, and you go outside, you know, drink a bottle of Gatorade and you go, man, that was some crazy stuff Saturday, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, that really bothered me. Yeah, me too. Well, how you doing? I'm doing better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen that before, but yeah, I kind of get it. Hey, that's counseling. That's counseling right there. And, and, and they're going to be that much better maybe the next day. 
And then, and then there is a truth. Time does heal all wounds. Um, the way you feel a year from now is not the way you felt the day after the incident. You know, time will heal. And, and I think as professionals, I, I know it's an old parent phrase, but we learn from it. We learn from those things. We learn from those incidents. Uh, and, and just like I said, the drive home. Okay, did we do everything we were supposed to do? Um, you take that into a positive. And I think that's really great for your mental and your emotional health that, yeah, we did everything possible. We had all the best resources we could gather and we used them and we used them correctly. Um, you know what? He was alive when we put him in the ambulance. I can't speak for what happens in the ER and in the hospital and all that, but I'm telling you what, we kept him alive. I'll sleep tonight knowing he was alive all the way through the ambulance. I mean, you may have to pick and choose things like that. And, and that's okay too. That is, okay. I know that that's great mental health for a lot of us. Something that we always do because the reason why we started this actually is because we had gone to so many conferences and talks and listened to people. And a lot of times we had, they had just touched the surface and there wasn't a lot of applicable knowledge that we felt could really be taken from everything that we heard. And so, I mean, you've already given us so many applicable things like the whole debriefing <laughs> process, something that some athletic trainer who's listening to this can actually take into their practice and change what they're doing for the better. So oh, yeah. what we really want to do is, could you give us something that an athletic trainer could take with them from what you've learned from going through all of this. By the way, this is Sandra's favorite part, the action <laughs> items. She's very good at it, I might add. <laughs> I, I think literally, and, and as I was reading my notes, um, what kept jumping out at me is, quote unquote, the policy and procedure. Uh, again, think about when you take a job, uh, wherever you physically are going to work, the office or the clinic or whatever it is, there's going to be policies and procedures. Um, I know when you were in school, the, the athletic training program, that's all they had. Oh, my gosh. You know, did they have the biohazard policy and did they have this and that? And, and I mean, everything was accounted for, obviously, for the benefit of you, for your education. But what was great about that is it made the preceptor get on their toes. Like, oh, man, I don't have a biohazard policy. I better write that up right now, you know, if I'm, especially when I have these students come in here and hang out with me. But same thing right there. So whether they're already working at their employment setting and they've been there, whatever, one year, five years, 10 years, I'll guarantee you they probably don't have a P and P for the death of an athlete. You know, um, just as you heard from me, I mean, look how long it took to get any kind of services, what, 30 years almost. Um, I think that would be the one I, I drive home is that, uh, maybe in that quiet time of the year, or maybe when you're on a road trip and you're on your laptop, um, you think you got your, your clinic all set up. And right now I'm going to kind of speak for the school environment since I'm more familiar with that. But, okay, you got all these other policies, uh, all these healthcare policies, all these athletic medical policies. Uh, they're all set. That's what you go by. You know, there really shouldn't be much deviation. But I'll guarantee you, most of us did not have anything for the death of an athlete. And certainly it bears investigation because I'm quite sure from campus to campus, it's going to be a little bit different. You heard me talking about how the counselors 
and the health center were involved at Mount SAC. And it was a great team effort. They came in. Um, they certainly included the coaches because they're that close to the athletes. They brought the athletic trainers in because they know we're working on potentially very vulnerable individuals. So we're, that was a team effort. But you can let your imagination run wild. Like, for example, that poor one athletic trainer at a gigantic high school. Uh, we know like school nurses are almost non-existent now. But as I said earlier, and we all know, is like bad things happen on school campuses, especially like high school. Um, we talked about a shooting on campus or that athlete that dies on the field of play, whether it's yours or whether it's a visitor. What do you do? I mean, yes, I know you're medically taking care of the individual, but when the dust kind of settles, like what's your next step? Do you just wake up the next morning and go to work and pretend nothing happened? No, I don't think so. Now, right now is the time. Heck, maybe that's a great COVID chore because we're all sitting in front of computers so much. Um, sit down and think about if there was a death. Let's just keep it simple. A death in the athletic environment. Yours, the visitor, the umpire, a coach. What is the scenario? And, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. First of all, start by borrowing your EAP. Everybody should be having those by now. That's not novel anymore. It used to be, but no, that's pretty standard now. Just kind of plug that into the death policy. Okay, I've done everything I can for this victim, and they succumb to their injuries at the hospital or whatever it was. Uh, or maybe you have to go a little sideways and go, this, uh, this athlete succumbed, not on campus, the auto accident, the shooting, whatever it was. But still, they're part of our campus community. They're part of a team. We've got, you know, 100 other kids that know this person. The coaches, I'm sure, are upset. So sit down. And, and again, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, borrow on your EAP. That's a nice way to get started. And just what I said earlier, talk to your colleagues. I know, I bet you we know five people that are familiar with the death in the athletic environment. It's that simple. And I bet you the older we are, the more more of those people and incidents you're going to find. Uh, and, and just borrow on that. Don't try to. It's a tough subject. It's obviously not something that happens all the time. I mean, it's not like, well, what do you do for ACL tears? Oh, why well, do this? But no, it's not like that at all. But again, you have to be ready. Look at all the changes our profession had to make for severe heat illness, exertional heat illness. I yeah. mean, we went from the 1950s when you didn't give anybody any water to like the Corey Stringer Institute. That's a ton of policies and procedures. That's a great example right there. What do you do to meet this challenge? Um, and that's why the athletic trainers listening are probably going to have to sit down and look in their own environment. I mean, yeah, I've shared what we did at Mount Sac. I've shared what others have done with me to help me and I help them. But yeah, Inevitably, the individual athletic trainer is going to have to look at their facility and say, wow, okay, well, it's only me. Let's, we're going to start with that. Yeah, they got counselors. You know what? Let me go across campus and find those counselors and find out. So are you guys grief counselors? Like what happens if some horrendous incident happens here? Are you the first line? You know, do I help you? Do you help me? How does this thing work? Um, a lot of campuses at all levels have Campus security, are they part of that? Or are they like on the outside looking at whatever it is? 
Uh, now is the time for those individual athletic trainers to draw it up, to draw it up. And, and like any other PNP, um, you're probably going to have to show it to somebody, whether it be your athletic director or the president or the principal or whoever it is, probably HR. I'm sure that's high on the list. Um, but yeah, I, I want this in place because there's no guarantees and nothing bad's going to happen. On this and it's got to be a win-win for their employment setting. If you draw up that document and you take it to your supervisor, how could they say this is bad or don't do that or we're not going to do that? No, that's not going to happen. You know, look, first of all, I'm protecting your butt. But most importantly, you know, we're showing that we have a plan and a policy in place and, and it's a win-win for everybody. And it's going to help everybody. I mean, it helps everybody in the department, AD, sports information director. I mean, I didn't even say anything about that, but who's going to talk to the media? Are you? Yeah. You know, is it the oh. AD? Is it the SID? Who's going to? Well, if you didn't write that down, you know, then it's going to be a big mess because um, not the death. But I don't know if you guys remember that athlete, the football player that punched the referee. Yes. I mean, that was on everything. Well, I think they had their policy in place that it's like one person is going to talk to the media. And, and, and that's pretty universal everywhere. Yeah, you cannot have 10 people giving 10 different versions of, of an incident like that, just like with death. Um, so that worked out really well. And and if you've not been exposed to the media, it can be hard, especially if it's really controversial or very uh, eye appealing to the audience. You know, like if you have a death, there's going to be people looking around at you like, hey, well, you're the athletic trainer. Come here. We want to talk to you. Whoa, 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 whoa. And you talk to my sports information director. He's handling uh, all the press and the media. I think in the other uh, professions, they call it a PIO, uh, public information officer. So that's an example of that policy and procedure. Hey, I'm here to take care of the athletes and the victim. I'm going to try to support people. But the media, that's not my job. That's that guy over there. You know, go talk to the media over there. So sit down just like you would do with anything else. Sit down and write up that policy and procedure. Now run it by people. I, I would think you know, again, looking at my history, I would think that would give you a great source of comfort that, yeah, it's not going to happen very often, but if and when it does, holy mackerel, what do you, what do we always do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? Oh my, who do I talk to? You know, because also too, especially when you're good at your job, people start coming to you. Oh, Andy, what are we going to do? Oh, Andy, what Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't have all the answers here. I'll find the answers, but I don't have them. Not right this second. You know, give me 24 hours, okay? Uh, but I think that would be one of my best take-homes is sit down, look at your employment setting. Maybe some of those resources are already there and develop it for your environment. So you're the athletic trainer. You're covering these athletes. What if that tragedy occurs? What are the next steps? So I, I would strongly recommend that one. So I think the unique thing that I found very fascinating with our conversation with Andy was how it's changed, like how the response to dealing with death has changed from that time that he was a student to when he finished up his career at Mount Sac. It just goes to show you how many advances have been made in our profession. Yeah, absolutely. And it again, it just emphasizes how mental health is starting to show its importance in we really do need to deal with this, not just from the student athletes. We all know how important it is to, you know, manage their mental health care. But now as professionals, you know, we're put in those same stressors and 
knowing the tools and knowing where to go and knowing that there is peer support out there of someone who may have went through something similar to you or knows the job and understands why that's a stress for you is a big deal. If you have any tips on mental health or stress or anything of the sort or dealing with unexpected death, we want to hear them in our AT Corner Community Facebook group. You can either search AT Corner Community on Facebook or you can go to facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast. If you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was education, a very serious education, and next week is going to be stories and we're going to be a little bit on the lighter side next week. So if you guys want to submit your own story, you can go over to Instagram where AT Corner Podcast Usually we post about what our next episode is going to be in our Instagram stories, so make sure you watch out for those. And then also, because it's National Athletic Training Month, we have a Mad Libs for you guys to complete in your Instagram stories. So just go to our highlights, screenshot the Mad Libs, fill it out, have take a friend, have them give you some verbs, nouns, adjectives, all that, and then repost it and tag us. Yes, absolutely. You know what else might be fun? Giving it to the student-athletes. Ooh, that would See, be really Seeing fun. what their answers would be. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, you got anything else, Randy? Nope, I think that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye. Bye.